from grain to glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Miles. And yeah, this is the greatest beer show on the internet right now because I took a poll of the people in this room and they all agreed. That is true. We're right. uh, 4 and 0. 4 and 0. There we go. Uh, <laughs> joining us today is Eric. Hello. And uh, Logan is hey, everybody in the internet. Is, is, our, is our guest homebrewer here. You want to sit a little bit closer to that microphone. Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> in case you can hear me. Yep. Uh, all right. So I guess before we dive in too deep here, uh, what have you guys been brewing lately? Miles, have you brewed anything new? Not yet. I need what? To, ah, no, I'll be brewing the uh, the pale ale in the next couple of days here. Okay, me too. Go I've ahead. been oh, next next weekend actually. I have a ridiculous amount of beer I have to brew next weekend. How much? How much? You don't want to know. It's like thirty <laughs> gallons. <laughs> well, I, I think I'm going to drop the pale ale recipe down to just a five gallon batch. Otherwise, I won't have time to brew Probably everything or fermentation idea. space. I'm I'm out. The, like buckets are just coming out of the out of the fermentation chamber. There, there's just so many. Is that a paint bucket? You're a paint bucket. <laughs> Ran out of fermenters. Okay, it's not a paint bucket when there's beer in it. It's guy. a beer bucket. Then, gosh, <laughs> don't laugh at my paint bucket. Logan, have you brewed anything recently? Uh, I just dry hopped an American wheat, Ooh. and I have a uh, the White House honey porter. In primary still. Okay. Sounds about, good. About a week and a half in right now. So is is that like the honey porter that they that they released the recipes of like yep. a year or so ago? Yeah, I picked it up at uh, Northern Brewer. Okay, so very they cool. Had a, they had a deal for a free free uh, secondary. Awesome. So that was that was very nice. That's that's the perfect deal for yeah. and beer. Yeah, it's like twenty bucks off too. I yeah, mean, save yourself some money. It's got phenomenal. A, it's got a cute little White House logo on it. <laughs> so that's always good. Is that Obama approved beer? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, actually, nice. you know, nice. he, uh, they use the White House honey for it. Yeah. Yep. So it's got the POTUS seal right yep. on there. Oh, he's yeah. a beer drinker. So I, I saw hmm. a video that was put on the internet that was basically a short interview about the, the chefs that he has in the White House that make his beer. I do not approve of some of their methods. Really? Well, really? like what? Um, their topping off method. You know, it's like uh, if you and I, we brew a beer and then we hit our gravity, you know, we kind of keep the volume that's associated with the gravity that we're looking to get. Yeah, gravity over volume for sure. Yeah. And they're just like, well, we're just going to top this We off. need five gallons. No, it's Obama's not. Obama's even- not drunk enough yet. <laughs> no, <right. laughs> So they had the glass carboys and they're filling it up to the top of the primary. Like to the tippy top? Practically, like to the neck. Well, but is is that like it's the primary? Where's the Krausen supposed to go? Oh, well, if you have a if you have a big enough tube, I think it'll be fine. Like maybe it was just for the video, but they put an airlock on it. They put an airlock on it. They put it like I said. I did not. What put kind it. of yeast did they? Were they, were they pitching dry yeast? Because if they're pitching dry yeast, you're not going to get a super active fermentation, so it might be okay. No. I'm trying to defend these guys for the no kit, reason. No. The kit came with dry yeast and recommended dry yeast. Okay, so so maybe maybe I'll say that the short version is: is their chefs first, their brewers second. And that they should listen to this show. Well, I feel like if you are <laughs> brewing beer for the president of the United States, you should be a brewer. Like, they should just have a brewer and not have the chefs do it. You should you be think? the ultra grandmaster brewer right? if you're brewing for the POTUS. 
I want that job. Me that too. sounds like Me a fun too. job. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to be that like through all day. It's got to pay at least a hundred k. Like oh, a right? government yeah. job gives oh, yeah. benefits. Yeah, you get a pension. Yep. What brewer can say that they get a pension? <laughs> <laughs> Only that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe Coors. They got a probably good corporate structure. Yeah, but I yeah, bad the, beer. The big ones, but yeah. good corporate structure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, that would be. Huh. Anyway, I'm done thinking about those fermentation chambers now. Um, Eric, have you formulated any recipes? Um, just the just the one that I introduced earlier. I, I've been looking at uh, the the saison recipe, the the, um, the peach one, right? Yes, the peach. We, one. we were actually talking about a peach yeah, saison. Yeah, uh, Bigwood Brewery in White Bear Lake has a uh, peach saison that's pretty good. I've yeah. only tried it in the flight, but it was is like uh, is that is that like a seasonal for them? Like how um, how often do they go through beers? You know. Um, almost every two weeks, they have at least a different beer in there. Okay. They're constantly changing them around. They have their the four that they sell, which is like their Amigo Grande, which is Mexican lager, uh, like Jack Savage and Bark Biter, like an American Ale and IPA. I don't remember which one's which. And uh, Morningwood, the coffee porter. But then after that, they have uh, eight beers that they just rotate around. Uh, okay. Almost every time I'm in there, they have at least one different beer. So. Awesome. Very cool. Very Always cool. nice. We might yeah. have to go up there and check out that yeah. peach That's saison. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Tap room is open like. Thursday, Friday, Saturday okay. only, so still pretty small. It opened uh, a couple months ago. So. All right. Maybe you'll have to introdu- interrupt your new Saturday schedule. Ah, no, I can't do that. <laughs> hey, there's always Thirsty Thursday. That's fine. Always. Th- I could just stop after work. I, could be well, fine. God damn it. Well, then, yeah, then you can't come. I yeah. know. You can buy him a growler. I could buy him a growler. You get him a growler. Or I could get... just send him pictures of me drinking pints. Which he's and... done before. <laughs> and then not bring him anything. Which yeah. he's done before. <laughs> I have a few of their pint glasses at my house. I hope no one from Bigwood Brewery hears this. <laughs> but I love your glasses. You know, it's awesome. like on the side, it's like half wood, full wood, no oh. wood. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Penis innuendos. It's great. That's awesome. It's great. That's awesome. Well, you're drinking out of a poor decisions glass there with the mustache on it. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I represent Minnesota pretty well. Yeah, pint glasses, fun pint glasses are awesome. They, they are, man. They they're, are, yeah. they're fantastic. All right. Um. Well, I guess why don't we dive right into the homebrew tasting? If you want to grab your brews out of the fridge here, and then oh uh, yeah, while one, we're one second here. All right. We'll we'll just take up airtime while you're while you're doing that. So why don't you just remind people what exactly is what's going on? All right. So what we're gonna do is uh, every week. Uh, we are tasting uh, different homebrews. If you're local and you want to come down to the studio and taste the beers with us, that's fantastic. If not, you can send them in, and we will uh, taste them as we'll taste them on air and just give you some good feedback. Uh, these wait, those two are the same, and then these two are the same, right? Uh, yes. yes. The okay. Green Brewer Best Caps are the Coffee Porter, and the Gold Caps mm-hmm. are the IPAs. Which one would you like us to try first? Let's go with the coffee porter. Coffee porter. Save right. the porter. best for first, right? <laughs> uh, I guess while we're getting this poured, why don't you tell us a little bit about this beer? And um, This was a the St. Paul Porter kit that I bought and added some coffee to. We uh, made a cold-pressed coffee with a 750 of vodka and four ounces of uh, peace coffee. Okay. Um, after that, we uh, also filtered the beer before bottling through the coffee grounds. So that's that an awesome a idea. Nice little twist on yeah, it. Yeah, that's, that's a good idea. Yeah. So, um, when, uh, ex- oh. extract kit, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. So, I talked to the guy at Northern Brewer about making a coffee porter, and that's his idea for it was to add the coffee on bottling day as a cold press. So, yeah, very cool. 
Uh, and you used uh, vodka instead of water for your cold press, yes, right? Yes, true. Yes, I uh, I like adding vodka when I dry hop anything other than hops into it. Yeah, um, <laughs> well, that that's something that I was looking at um, when I was doing my um, my chocolate stout um, and using the nips or nibs or whatever you call them. Nibs. Um, they say that if you use vodka, like vodka will bring out flavors yeah, and, it's, and it's a lot an, of it'll stuff, and, stuff, and it won't add anything to it. So why use water when you can add just that little bit more with the vodka? You yeah, because uh, vodka... You'll actually find that as a method for making your own extracts, mm-hmm. uh, because vodka will pull out right. all of the essential oils from the things, and it also acts as a bit of a sterilant. Uh, all right. Well, Miles, do you want to kick the tasting off here? Sure, why not? All right. Well, Miles is smelling things. Smell- can can yeah, you smell, smell this week? Uh, I'm, I'm doing better, actually. Oh, that's good. That's I've got to be just a few days away. It's been over a month now. T- terrible. Okay. <laughs> what wonderful air wonderful air. Oh, air. Oh, it smells so good oh. <laughs> it, it smells really good uh, I will say it, it does smell like an extract batch but that's okay but I also get um, roasted roasted grain meets uh, the coffee bitter kind yep. of aromatics it's not exactly the I just brewed a fresh pot of coffee kind of aroma yep it's it's uh I think it's around five weeks now since it's been drinking okay so, so so it is a little bit older than yep. would otherwise be just yeah like you it. had it was a lot stronger coffee flavor okay right away it was I enjoyed it a lot more then it's got just a classic porter body to porter body to it and i think it might even get a little bit of the creaminess from the coffee that you added okay uh it's it's definitely present and it's more nuanceal it actually really blends well with the beer you know almost like it was meant to be there like it was truly designed to be put in the beer the way you did so all things considered you you did a pretty good job awesome thank you yeah thank you um, I, I definitely get, uh, some of that coffee in the nose. It's, I, I like it. Um, I, I really wish I was trying it, you know, a couple of weeks ago when that coffee flavor was really oh, yeah. fresh. It was yeah. great to uh, um, drink after work. But yeah, uh, I, I, it's, the coffee's still there. Um, it, it, like Miles said, it fits with the beer. It, it feels like this beer was made for that coffee. What kind of coffee did you use again? Uh, Peace Coffee. Peace Coffee. Okay. Yeah, okay. So I think it was their, uh. Was it a, like it a dark a roast? Blend. I think it was okay. a darker. It okay. It was pretty dark bean, and, and it tasted pretty dark. So um, I'm getting a little bit of green pepper on the back end, which is fairly typical for coffee beers and anything using roast. I don't know uh, I don't know what causes it, but... I, I believe of, it's just uh, some of the residual acids. Yeah, but it, just a little bit of that green pepper, and there's not really a whole lot you can do about it. Um, yeah. Other than that, I, I really like this beer. It's very awesome. well done. Thank all you, all you is, have to do is not think about it. <laughs> This is by far the favorite one I've brewed so far. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's turned out by far the best. It's a solid beer for sure. Eric? Yeah, um, it, it, I like the the roasted flavor of it. It's really, really good. It's got a great mouthfeel. It, it just felt really good to be in my mouth. Um, take that as you will. <laughs> uh, I, I would definitely have liked to try it also, you know, a little bit earlier to get that, that good coffee flavor. Uh, what I yeast mean, did you use? Sorry to interrupt. I didn't mean that. Um, Oh man, I don't even remember anymore. It was the, the whatever the yeast packet was. Oh, okay, just to. a dry yep. yeast. No, right. no, it was uh, sorry, oh. the Y yeast. Oh, okay, okay. So that's I already, the honey porter is the only one, or yeah, the honey porter is the only one I ever used dry yeast for. Okay, that's that just told me to use dry yeast. So yeah. so just a like a Y yeast smack pack yep. of something. Yep, whatever the recommended one was for St. Paul Porter. Mm-hmm. All right, 
Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt no. you. No, it's good, man. Uh, I like it. Awesome. Good job. Uh, if you could change anything about the beer, what would it be? I wish it stayed fresh longer. Yeah, like I need to figure that. Figure out a way to make beer to, stay to make fresh it, to forever. make it more stable. Yeah, you know, add right? a bunch of chemicals to it. Yeah, well, well the, no. the, the problem with like uh, beers like this and even IPAs and stuff is you have to drink them fresh because just those volatile flavors are gonna disappear. Yep. And that, that oil in the water too. I mean, yeah, that's gonna mix around and. Especially with the uh, the British method of bottling, mm-hmm. or man, the priming sugar that has to probably make it a little less stable, I would think. And there's yeah. more stuff suspended. I mean, if, in the if you if you if you can if you can keg it and then force carb it so you know it's ready to drink as soon as it's done fermenting, then that I mean that's really the freshest you're going to get. But still, you don't want it too fresh. Usually, you know, a week or so out yep. is when it hits its prime. Even even in the British method, I usually have about a week is when I start drinking them. Yep. And that's, you know, it's carbonated well. It's not overcarbed if it's going to get overcarbed. Yep. I've had that happen a few times, you know, uh, before I had the hydrometer. But dro- <laughs> you know, just like, oh, it's been three weeks. I want to get drinking this beer. It's good and, enough. Yeah. Would open them up and they just start shooting beer just out. Just gushers It's like a champagne. Yeah. yeah. It's, all right, well, I guess let's get the uh, second one going there. Here's yeah, this one, one. Uh, was another recipe kit that uh, Northern Brewer altered for us. They subbed, I believe it was Centennial. It might have been Cascade, but they uh, subbed no, that with Falconer's Flight. So, um, yeah, we, you know, think what you would. I think it tastes a little lemony. All right. Let's see. You're gonna have to go to me last for this one. That's that's completely fine. Let's see if I can get My, a little bit ahead of Miles is having a little trouble keeping up. Well, he overpours sometimes. It, it happens. Guy. No, I don't actually have to be anywhere after this, is the short version. No. Um uh, if I was gonna toss some uh last notes on your beer. Uh it it finishes a bit dry. That's not a complaint, it's just uh acknowledging. And has a nice lingering bitterness quality to it it's actually quite pleasant mm. Awesome. Mm-hmm. thank you yeah so I would, I would love to see you see this as an all grain version all right yeah definitely i mean that's we we kind of talked about you possibly helping me make some all grain version have you done one before i haven't mm-hmm. uh i mean uh, the buddy that i brewed this ipa with are actually in the process of either buying an all grain kit together all grain system together and just swapping it back and forth uh-huh. or uh I can teach having, you how to build one yourself. Having this beautiful man named Miles over here <laughs> teach me how to build it, and I'm pretty tech savvy. I think we can make it pretty. You cheap. Make sure oh, yeah. this guy oh, can yeah. get some of his beer. I'm rinsing <laughs> out my glass. That's actually. ridiculous. Well, I mean, he is going porter IPA. That's kind of the reverse yeah. direction we should have gone. But <laughs> yeah. that's why I had to rinse my glass with cream soda. <laughs> yeah, my uh, my hey. ego can only handle it if we go good we ha- first. We had to go good first. Almost fumbled the handoff on the beer there. So, all right. Um, I guess I'll start this one off. Uh, definitely good hop aroma. Um, if I keep sniffing a little bit, I get a little bit of fusel alcohol, just something a little hot there. Um, is that what that is? Yeah. Fusel alcohol? Yeah. Well, it's it's it, it literally just refers to some of the higher alcohols that have yeah. a, a more and more alcohol present taste to it that okay. can't be hidden, and just it, it just a little bit burned to that nose. Yeah, I I like to describe it a little bit as like a almost like a cleaner. Yeah, I'm yeah. not the biggest fan of this one, honestly. Yeah. Um. But I also drink it. Did did it ferment hot? Do you know? 
I uh, I do not know. This was uh, fermented at my buddy's house. Okay, okay. So I don't know um, what his setup is there. Yeah, uh, a lot of times uh, those flavors specifically will come from a hot fermentation. Okay. So if you it, or one that fluctuated into high temps and then came back down, like you're sitting next to the heater that turned yeah, on and off. Yeah. So that could be. Yeah, I, uh, I think I know he has it on a cement floor, but that's all I know. So. Um, basically, it comes from uh, warmer fermentation temperatures excite the yeast into doing their job like super fast and you know like over excitedly yeah. and that you get a lot of undesired off flavors from that okay yeah. uh it's not it's not a super clear beer but i mean that's not Im- super important but just something to look out for maybe like do you use any like clarifying agents in the boil like irish moss or um i know i've done flock, um, I've, when i go to fish uh, bladder I live in Minnesota, so I go to uh, Brew and Grow sometimes as well, and they okay. actually throw Werflock tablets in all their kits. Okay. So that or not all their their uh, the lighter beer color kits. Okay. Um, I know they're black beers and stuff. They're not going to throw yeah. the Werflock in because it doesn't matter. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Like I brewed, I think it was an IPA, and they threw the Werflock tablet in for that, and that was it was kind of actually neat. It's first time ever using that. So yeah, it makes just a crystal clear beer. Yep. It's- yeah, it's, really it's nice. pretty impressive. So yeah, um, it's actually cool to see how how quickly it just sh- falls to the bottom, even after the boil. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Flavor wise, it's it's not terrible. I mean, definitely a lot of that lemon, uh, yep. citrusy stuff. I don't think this is something I would drink pint after pint, mostly because of that the hot fermentation. But it's definitely a decent attempt at the style. I yep. like it's it's not a bad beer. It's drinkable. Yep. For uh for my buddy, it was his first time making an IPA himself. Okay. Usually when we make IPAs, it's at my house. I do the dry hopping, the yeah. fermenting, and all that. So he was excited to try his first IPA. And then Northern Brewer also gave us the wrong hops. We I remember for the Centennial Cascade, we had to sub for Falconer's Flight. Okay. It's, that's a big change. It's 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 a very big change. Oh yeah, I think Falconer's Flight's over ten. On the yeah, outside. well, and and Falconer's Flight is a blend as well instead of just a single hop. Okay. Yeah. So it's it you know it's a blend of a lot of the different sea hops, and oh, especially okay. if you're not using it uh, in in certain ways. Yeah, you it's can, you can get these wild and crazy things coming from mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I know we were supposed to only add it at sixty, and we ended up having to go like sixty, and then like half at thirty, half at fifteen. Oh, with wow. Falconer's Flight instead of just the 60. and Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of Falconer's Flight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they were, we were a whole ounce switch, and it was yeah, it was too late to run back to Northern Brewers. So. And we already had it boiling, and it was after 9. Then you're just like, all right, yeah. we'll just we'll just go and see how it turns right, like, out. Pizza was on the way. This brew had to get done. <laughs> we're just going to run with this, right, and yeah. um, uh, we're going to take it how it is. I guess Eric will do Miles last this time. Um, It's it's definitely okay. Um. Uh, for some reason, I get a lot of like a maple smell like a- out of it. I don't know why. Uh, like I smell maple syrup, and I don't I don't know what that is, but maybe mm. that's just me. Um, I've definitely had better. Yeah. Um, I like the lemon quality. I, I don't I don't know. I I I like that in IPA. I like the citrus. But if 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 the lemon would have been intentional, I think yeah. it might have come yep. through a little. Better. Yeah. It uh, to me though, it it tastes a little skunky. Like. I, I don't know. I think that's the best way I could put it. Right. I mean, it's not it's not horrible, but I definitely wouldn't want to buy it. You no, know? no, no. All right, Miles. Uh, to me, it, instead of being like lemon and high alcohols, it almost comes off as like this lemon pie or this lemon bread sort of. Interesting. Of no, it it's it's weird. You kind of have to think about it. Yeah. When, when you're smelling it. Pretend it's all intentional. Yeah. No. Exactly. <laughs> this is totally on purpose. 
There's well, some meringue in there, totally. I, <laughs> <laughs> but I was going to say, if you if you were making an IPA and your intention was to be like, this is a Falconer's Flight IPA, I you know I could see this being a, a, a quote unquote success uh, in the fact that you're finding out that Falconer's Flight isn't a hop that should be used all by itself. No. Yeah, <laughs> no, not it, at all. It needs to be balanced with something for sure. No, it, balanced it, with twice of something else. Yeah, like yeah, two for whatever one Falconer's Flight you use. <clears throat> yeah, no. is it is it like really potent or it's 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 a very different unique flavor flavor and it's it can be overwhelming. Its aroma is very strong, too. Yeah. When you just open the bag, it's, it just punches you in the nose. It's like Simcoe. On steroids. Uh, on steroids, like yeah. the aroma-wise. If yeah. that baby, if steroids and Simcoe had a baby, that would be the baby. Falconer's <laughs> Flight right there. Except Simcoe's way more delicious. Well, the steroids kind of ruin it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like steroids ruin baseball, it ruins yeah. the hops, yeah. Makes it all meaty, and you're like, whoa, buddy, chill out. All right. But no, I um I was going to toss out there that there are several breweries that do like I single hop IPAs, especially McKellar. They have like eighteen of them, where it's literally the exact same recipe, except you interchange these hops, and you just get this entire exploration of what this one hop has to offer. And so this, you know, in some ways, this is kind of an example of what a good experiment would be, even if the beer itself isn't that. Delicious no. at all. No. I mean, it's not bad. It's I'm just, just not, not exactly. A, it's just not exactly appealing. Yeah, I, I should say. But um, I don't know. it yeah. is. It is what it is. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> Miles I mean, over there no, trying not um, to be all mean. Well, I mean, you, you got to kind of be direct, like, like this. Yeah. For, yeah. Like, I I uh, originally was not going to bring the IPA. I, I I'm glad you did. Yeah. I mean, I it, looked in my fridge and I was like, you know what. Yeah, F it. Like, it's it's I a have, fun tasting. I have two more beers, and well, and we we all run into bad beers. Oh, so, yeah. Like, it, oh yeah. It's it's something that all that we all ha- have oh, yeah. happen. Yeah. Uh, no, the the sharp version would be if you were intending on it to be like a Falconer's flight. You know, this would have been a really cool experiment. You know, yep. and and a success oh, yeah. in that area. Since it wasn't, that's too bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, and honestly, I think it would be a lot more drinkable if that fermentation temp had come down. I, um, I I agree. The, the, those fusel alcohols just uh, they they, they do kind of throw it off yeah. a little bit. Uh, if it were just the Falconer's flight, you yeah. know, kind of showcasing itself across the board, would would it light would have anything to do with that by chance? Uh, this is keeping it in a dark room. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it light light will definitely like Eric was talking about getting a skunky flavor. Uh, light will definitely do something to the hops and. Yeah. Throw so, those flavors. So out. there's no room in his house that isn't used. What what I would do then? Uh, take an old T-shirt and and put it over, and it. Put it right. over the put it over. Right. It. See, I know I have a I have a whole room that I can use for mine, mm-hmm. which is nice. You know, it's got blackout curtains and yeah, it was it's a pretty awesome room. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, but if if you're fermenting at his place, definitely just take like an old black T-shirt and just put it over it, and that'll just keep all the light out. You don't all have right. to worry about it. Oh, awesome. Okay. Yep. And it's I mean it's not gonna like hold in any temperature or anything, so you yeah, should be it's fine. Like a t shirt. Yeah. Um yeah. Another thing you want you can do, I guess, if you want to try to get if like if this is fermenting hot, uh you could do like a, what's called a swamp cooler. Like if you take like a like a rubber made bin of water. And, yeah, just and fill it fill it with some water and then take like some soda bottles of ice and just chuck those in there once a day. And it'll keep it right around that 60 degree, like 65, 70 degree hmm. temp. 
and, and it won't fluctuate too yeah, much. Yeah, depending on how diligent you are, you can actually kind of hold it at... You can hold it at lower temperatures, temperatures too yeah. if you need to. But. Yep. Right. And, and that'll just help, especially uh, in the summer. Like, these Minnesota summers get so hot sometimes that it's hard to keep your temps down. Yeah, I know uh, in my room, the one I have, the floor stays right about 70. Mm-hmm. And I have it sitting right on the floor, and then the actual room temp is like 73 to 74. Yeah. Well, and then you have to realize that um, fermentation MP. is an exothermic reaction. Suppose. And so your your beer temp is always going to be three three to five degrees above ambient. Okay. Right. Physics yeah. words are cool. Woo! Physics, hey, that's that's the only way I get my girlfriend into beer. <laughs> like, hey, no, you're a chemistry minor. It's science. You, yeah, science. you're gonna love this science. She, was, she was into it yesterday when we were. Uh, I had to transfer <laughs> the beer from the primary to secondary and dry hop it. And she was, oh, this is interesting. I, I bet it. I bet it would be from from a chemistry point from, of view, from, from uh, a chemistry as a, as or even a, chemist, a microbiology yeah, standpoint. Something like that. Yeah, she's, uh, all, all you have to say is like fermentation, and that should be. I mean, yeah, that should yeah, be enough. Oh yeah, and then actually explaining to her why we do what we do when we're brewing, and she's like, oh, there's actually a science to this. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's been around like as long as society, you know. Right. Yeah, it's, it's been around longer than science. Science. It used to be Pretty called much. alchemy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what you should tell her. You're practicing. It's it's I, not I, science, honey. It's alchemy. I, I think this is a pretty good example of turning water into gold. <laughs> I mean, it's that color. It's that color. All right. Uh, well, I guess overall, um, your first beer was. That's phenomenal. Very good. I like it. Good. Um, you're definitely on the right track, and I'm excited to see what you're brewing in the future. And honestly, the second one didn't have a whole lot wrong with it. It was just a few minor things that just threw off the thing. Yep. And Falconer's Flight was a big thing, and then the hot fermentation. Yeah. You're, you're oh, yeah. pointing at something. Yep. Oh, <laughs> he, he wants he wants the rest of the coffee porter. The coffee yeah. porter. There I had to go. actually look at the two bottles. Like I know they're both Summit bottles. <laughs> and I decide which one was the one that was lighter. Yep. And thankfully, there was more coffee porter left. Yes. Right. I was actually like half sitting here confused because I'm looking at a Summit EPA bottle and it's dark. Yeah. <laughs> so when I brew, the bottles that have the labels off are done by my buddy. And then I get his bottles. The ones with the labels on them are all mine. I'm that's, okay. a, good, that's a good system. That way, way you know who messed up. Way too lazy to actually uh, take the labels off. I completely understand. Yeah. Like, we, he has a good system, actually, but I'm just too lazy. Well, we, we did a thing where we uh, we filled up a bucket uh, full of like soapy water, and then we would just, we'd just leave it, and then we would just toss empties into it as we went along, and then once every couple of weeks go through and strip them out. But he did. Uh, he just got his water as hot as he could. Same sim- similar area or idea, but uh, got the water as hot as he could, dumped into a big bucket, and then put Clorox in. Oh, okay. And that worked really well. Yeah. And that's actually what I use for a cleaner for brewing is Clorox. It's a you little bit bleach, huh? No, actually, it's chlorine and bleach free. It's oh, okay. Clorox is, uh, or sorry, not Clorox, OxyClean. Oh, sorry. OxyClean. Yeah. Wrong. I'm like, Clorox say, is bleach. Clor- yeah, Clorox Wrong. is the king of bleach. I was Wrong sitting over there. here like, what is going on? Yeah. <laughs> Wrong cleaner. I... Like, something is amiss. Yeah. Wrong cleaner. It's yeah. It's well, we're all gonna die after yeah. drinking o- this beer. Oxy- no. <laughs> OxyClean is actually food safe. So yeah, yeah. You know, I, I use OxyClean when I'm cleaning kegs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I I, uh, I think it's cheaper than buying cleaner at a brew store. Well, it's it's cheaper than PBW. I don't know if it's as good as PBW. You have to but... use a little bit more of it. Yeah. I know that's really like really the trade off is you're using a little bit more. But I was looking at the prices and it kind of works out. Like yeah. It but really, if not, whatever, it's easier to get. It doesn't make a huge difference. I always liked how OxyClean was like the first thing to 
spawn all of these oxygen-based cleaners. Oxygen is important in your cleaning product. Scrubbing yes. bubbles. God bless yeah. you, Scrubbing Billy bubbles. Mays. Yes. All right. All right. Um, well, hang on a second. I think I have a thing here for this. Yes. Oh, another, another segue. Scrubbing bubble. Nice. Nice. <laughs> That's right. It's time for our competition update. Uh, so, as you guys should know, Miles and I are fighting. Um, <laughs> we're brewing an American Pale Ale against each other, which will be revealed at the Divine Homebrew competition on July 13th. It's I will not be there. Oh. I'm in Colorado. Sorry, guys. Two years in a row, though, Miles. Like, let's set this up. Talk to me about my schedule. <laughs> so I can get in on this. So we can move... River Falls days okay. around around me, yeah. <laughs> well, in Colorado, this we'll weekend, petition the city every council weekend, ev- or every time every year for the next like five years. Like, Logan has to be there. Well, petition the city damn. council. Well, yeah, we, we set I up mean, an we absentee beer for no, me. No, you you, you, can, you can you can absentee. Yeah, you do not need to be present to yep. win. I'll bring some coffee porters on Wednesday for you. Do it up. Awesome. Very cool. Beautiful. All right. So uh, this week we're just gonna kind of talk about what an American pale ale is, and then next week. Uh, after we've both brewed, we'll share our recipes <laughs> because not giving away any of my secrets because I'm going to win. I'm going to win, damn it. He's lulling himself into a false sense of security. No, I just keep telling myself that so I don't cry in the corner and just give up. I think that's what Miles just said. <laughs> <laughs> he just said it the polite way that didn't embarrass you. He All may right. or may not be in the fetal position as well. Shut up. <laughs> Gosh. Gosh, Miles. Jeez. This recording is also his bunker room, his <laughs> safe room, and his Obama went crazy room. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I guess uh, let's just talk about some BJCP stuff. The description uh, for an American pale ale is a beer made by warm fermentation using predominantly pale malt. Uh, the higher proportion of pale malts result in a lighter color. The term pale ale first appeared around 1703 for beers made from malts dried with Coke. Coke Wait. is a fuel... With okay. few impurities and high carbon content, because we need all of this information. I should have really read this before I copy and pasted, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Which resulted in a lighter color than other beers popular at the time. If I can um, point something out real quick. Coke is a fuel. Yes, it is. I'm just going to throw that out there. We're not going to argue that fact. Nope. <laughs> Nobody's just arguing that, out that there. fact. It's a, yeah. it's a party fuel. <laughs> or just you got to work fuel. I mean... So different uh, brewing practices and hop levels have resulted in a range of taste and strength within the pale ale family. So an American adaptation of the English pale ale, or the American pale ale, reflects uh, indigenous ingredients, hops, malt, and yeast uh, in America like uh, that started in the 1980s, apparently with the Sierra Nevada pale ale, which we have in front of us right now. Yay. Um, Yay! There's bottle openers beer. all over the table. Yeah, so in my pocket too. Okay. I mean, <laughs> we're all beer drinkers. There's yeah. six bottle openers in the five foot radius of our of our table. We have one per microphone, yep. okay? Uh, and we also have one hanging up above the sink. <laughs> we have, a and lid. there's one attached to the kegerator. So there's one on the kegerator. One in my pocket. Somewhere. So we're we're good. We're good. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, often lighter in color, cleaner in fermentation byproducts, and having less caramel flavors than English counterparts. I would also like to add a little bit more hop forward as well. Uh, definitely these days. Yes. Maybe not with the original in the 80s, but definitely now. Well, even probably with the original in the 80s being the West Coast, they've always they've always, always been hoppy bastards. The, I, I think originally the idea was that 
it was just supposed to be this clean, uh, bitterness refreshing beverage that was the alternative to the stout porter. Yeah, pretty much. Back in the day, you know, it was something that would just be clean, crisp, refreshing, and you know, lower AB. Well, yeah, better cold. It's a I little mean, bit it's, more it's towards a the, man's beer. Yeah, a little bit more towards what the light beer was doing at the time. And, yeah. But for people that wanted flavor, yeah, better. Not. Yeah, a lot though, of though, fun fact: uh, I read the uh, the IPA book from Mitch Steele, mm-hmm. and apparently the the pale ales and the IPAs were the were like the upper class beers because like the lighter malts were more expensive. Yeah, I, I could see that. I was going to say the ingredients were probably more expensive. Yep. Than well, even still, standard. now you know you don't see a lot of poor college kids drinking IPAs. Even if they would like them more because they don't have the money for it. Right. You know? And there is that. It's unfortunate because, you know, I'll be drinking with friends and give them an IPA or give them a porter. And they're like, this is terrible. It's so hoppy. Other way around, though, this is delicious. Oh, really? And then we talk about what they'd have to pay for a case of beer to go out and party <laughs> with. I pay $8 and, yeah, for or a like, case of beer. Yeah, or like you're going to a bar and they mm-hmm. want to drink three or four beers. And that's like twenty dollars. It's twenty bucks. Twenty plus, like easy twenty bucks. You, you figure but, uh, six bucks a pint. Yeah. yeah, but then you go to like a Mick Golden Light, and you're three yeah. bucks a pint. Yeah, you know you can drink <laughs> twice that. as much. Yes, and or, as, or two dollars during red light hour, or twenty five <laughs> yeah. cents a can for PBR. Like <laughs> <in> <laughs> Every bar in Keystone Baltimore, light yeah. like thirty or thirty cans for twelve dollars. Yeah. Yep. You Thirty cents, whatever. Yeah, so I guess I guess it, it really depends on what your goal is. If your goal is to enjoy a beer, then it's totally worth it. If your if your goal is to get hammered, then three homebrew, then homebrew, then homebrew. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a dollar a beer if you homebrew. You get fifty, and how often do you spend fifty dollars on a brew? A lot more often than I'd like to admit. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I usually, <laughs> but then again, I do ten me. gallon batches. Yeah, so so you get. Probably I like get hundred beers. I get, I get hundred beers. So then we're still talking like I what, just do extremely complicated. Eighty cents, you know? Yeah, it's like eighty cents a beer. Yeah, you know, I uh, on the coffee porter, I think I paid forty eight dollars is like my most expensive one recently. I got fifty two beers, so that's that's McGolden Light flavor. All right, uh, yeah. So I why don't we talk? <laughs> why don't we talk about uh, like the BJCP guidelines for Roman appearance? You want to take us through some of those, Mom? Sure. Why not? Uh, let's see. BJCP, the Beer Judges Certification Program, says the aroma, usually moderate to strong, hop aroma from dry hopping or late kettle additions. Uh, citrus is very, very common, but not required. Um, dry hopping, uh, if used, may add grassy notes, although this character should not be used excessively. Uh, should be pale to deep golden amber in its appearance, white to off-white head with good retention, and quite clear. Um, in in this aroma thing, it says fruity esters vary from moderate to none. I I really think it should just be none. You really shouldn't be getting I, any yeast esters in a I've pale ale. Never, at least in an American pale I've, ale. I, yeah, I don't recall ever having an American pale ale that had any kind of fruity. But it it would be very slight, and I think for the most part, they they may say slight because if you do it right, you, the bitterness should cover a lot. Some yeah. Of that out. Oh, for sure. Um, but uh, flavor. Usually moderate to strong hop aroma from dry hopping or late kettle additions of the American hops. Citrusy hop is very common, but not required. Low to moderate maltiness supports the head retention, or excuse me, hop presentation, and may optionally show small amounts of specialty malt character, bready, toasty, or biscuity. Fruity esters vary from moderate to none, no diacetyl, dry hopping, and grassy notes, uh, although this character should not be excessive. 
Have you guys ever had a pale ale that's just excessively grassy? I hate that so much. I I, th- I feel like no. a buffalo when I drink those sometimes. Yeah. You know, it's just well. Too I mean, much. I, I've had IPAs that way. Um, for some reason, I get a lot. I I'll I'll drink a lot of uh, Two Hearted that seems way too grassy to me. Um, I don't I I don't know if it's if that's intentional. I don't really know what hops they use, but I just I get a lot really big grassy character from Two Hearted. I know that's an IPA versus a pale ale, but it, it, the the idea is that it's focused on the hops. Um, it's not often I find one that's overly grassy. I I will say um I do like some of the grassy earthy hops. Um, especially in quantity, but that's less because that's my preference and more because it's different from what is so unbelievably common these days, yeah. which is the citrus hop bombs, which can get a little old at times. It, they can. I mean, there's not a whole lot of variation in the market right now with the pale yeah. ale. Yeah, if I, go, if I ever go pale ale, it's because I'm going out like disc golfing or I'm going to be out doing something and I don't want a hop beer that's going to dry me out and... Yeah, they really yeah. have gone that way, though. Of American pale ales are going to be hoppy as hoppy as sin. Like. Yeah, it's going to be rough. You know, it's I, I have to go with a basic pale ale, or I actually really like uh, the British bitter beer from Northern Brewer. Yeah, great beer for going out. And oh, doing bit, something. bitters are phenomenal. Yep. For yeah, like I, that's why I keep I try to keep ESB either on tap or coming on tap. They're kind of like half a pale ale with more malt complexity. Yeah, and none of the, uh, hops just kind of dry you out a little bit. I don't know if it's yeah. from the cannabinoids in there that give you that cotton mouth feeling or what yep. it is, but it it really does give you that that dry it mouth does. feel. It, it, I mean, it dries you out quite a bit. Yeah, it's not good if you're gonna be outside for a couple hours no. in eighty degree heat. Like that's <laughs> not I don't want to be drinking a hoppy beer then. That's for sure. uh, that's that's when you reach for the wheats or yep, something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's I actually have a that's the wheat American wheat IPA that I make. That's always for disc golf, and we we nickname it the disc golfers IPA. There you go. It's just something where it, it has the hot flavor, it doesn't dry you out. You can drink it. Usually yeah. put it in bombers, so you don't have to bring as many out with you. That that's partly why I'm so or such a big fan of one of the pale ales in front of us, is because. Um, you can get a very nice, sharp, crisp bitterness without using a lot of hops. You just have to grab high alpha acid, put it in the beginning of the boil, you know, and then just a little bit at the end gives it a bit of yeah. a, uh, an aroma to it. But you can get this wonderfully, uh, wonderful hop characteristic and and bitter beer in a pale ale without using that much hops. Yeah, why don't we uh, dive into this beer a little bit here? Well, um, before we really start, I was going to ask you guys, I know it said uh, Sierra Nevada advertises they use whole cone hops yep is there what you know i actually starting to grow hops here in the next couple of days what's really the difference between using whole cone versus pellet it depends on who you talk to is is what is what my answer usually is um i i know uh like pitchfork brewing they only use whole cone hops um their their reasoning behind it is it gives a softer hop character it's not quite as sharp not quite as overwhelming um Pellets, in in my opinion, taste about the same. Like unless you unless you really really know your hops, I don't think you're going to see a huge difference. And pellets are so much cheaper; you get better alpha extraction out of pellets. Yeah, I noticed um, the the hop the pellets always have the higher number of the alpha for the yeah. Hops, where so like, so you have to use less of them. Yeah, yeah, where I was looking at, I actually just bought uh, some nug rhizomes to grow at home actually, and uh, it's like five to seven is what they advertise it as. And every time you buy it at a store, it's always going to be seven in pellet. 
I would think that with, with like the pellets, um, it's probably a lot easier for them to have like a, a uniform uh, level like that uh, yep. and, and taste. Whereas yeah. if you're using whole fresh ones, I mean, that's you're at nature's well, whim. Well, with you're that, you're, you know? you're still at nature's whim with the with the pellet. Don't don't get wrong. Uh, each year, your pellets are going to taste yeah, slightly yeah, different yeah, of course, than the of year course, before. Of well, just same um, thing with dry yeast strains, where yeah. each year that yeast strain is a little different because it's evolved, it's grown for another year, and it's, yeah. right. Yeah, uh, but the but the big thing is you you get a slightly different character. I don't think your flavor changes a whole lot. I like dry hopping with whole cones because I feel like you just you get a little bit better uh, flavor extraction out and, of those versus well, the alpha just acid flavor extraction. quality. Yeah, it's it's, that, it's a it's fresher the sharpness. Flavor. It's the it's that it's that nice background dry hop. Yeah, flavor. yeah, where it's, okay. it's it's almost like a soft hop. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Well, I mean the yep. the, the short version is you can. Uh, um, be a little bit, you know, at nature's whim with something that isn't going to be the backbone of the beer. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, it's like if you're relying on certain bitterness, whole cone is not necessarily the way to go because you can buy dry hops and you can know what the exact statistics yeah. are, use them to your advantage, and then go with something that's a little more artistic, you know, which is going to be the top layer of the beer that, you know, yeah. isn't you know not everything else isn't relying on. Well, it. and and the big thing, especially as a home brewer using uh, like whole cones and stuff, is just the amount that you need. I mean, if you if you're trying to make an IPA with whole cones, you're oh. gonna you're gonna use a ridiculous amount of whole cone hops. Plus, they're gonna soak up a ridiculous so amount. Much of wort. You're you're gonna lose two three gallons of wort just from hops. Yeah, right. I think the last time we did a fresh hop pale ale. We ended up using like, uh, like somewhere between three and four pounds, and we lost mm-hmm. easily over a gallon of that of those hops just soaking it all up. And one what of about th- with the wet hop? How did you? Uh, how much did you use then? Just throwing out more hop questions. Well, I uh, mean, the you'd probably end up using less, but the other difference between like whole cone, you know, being like basically dried out uh, fresh hop, is that the fresh hop also just carries a bunch of water weight with you. So you're getting all the same sort of stuff and water. Yep. Okay. Uh, I mean, it might be a little bit more fresh, but you're still going to be losing just as much uh, quantity as quality yeah. one way or the other. Okay. So that is just unbelievably messy. Unbelievably yeah. and messy. And expensive. I could see, see that. And expensive. Well, see, yeah, that's where growing your own hops makes it like yeah, a you know, it, where, it, it definitely... You know, I have... Two rhizomes coming. My buddy has two that already sprouted. They're at like a foot already, too. Nice. They're, Very nice. He got them in about three weeks ago, I believe, and they're at a foot already. They're just sprouting. Yeah, they're Very going cool. crazy right now. So Yeah, it's, I mean, if, if you have access to them, I say use them, experiment with them. Um, have fun, have, have, have fun well, with especially it. with that, uh, do do like a smash it. beer. So you really like with your for like if you if you harvest a few pounds, I would do a smash beer. You know, single malt and single hop, and just then you'll really get the flavor of that hop, and you'll know how to use right. it. Is yeah, that, yeah uh, nug isn't too strong of a hop either. That's uh, like a seven percent alpha. Yeah, yeah. So. so I mean, you could do a pale ale with it pretty easily, yep. and a smash beer is just one hop and one. Yep, one ball. One ball. Yep. It's it's uh, in my opinion, it's the best way to both calibrate a system and try new ingredients because you really get the flavors of those. Use like a, that's like actually a, how I calibrated my one gallon yeah. system. Use like the sixty and uh, like a sixty caramel and nug would probably be a pretty good beer. Maybe uh, I I usually stick away from the caramel. I I usually do base malt. Like I'll okay. do a uh, 
like an American two row and a hop I haven't used before. Okay, see, and like I know uh, Nug was pretty close to uh, Goldings on the Alpha rating, mm-hmm. and that and that it's sixty caramel is what they use for that British bitter. Yeah, from Northern Brewers. So that'd be an e- interesting take on that. Yeah, a it would. It would. Uh, that that would be pretty good. Or uh, maybe like a crisp, okay. uh, like a crisp Maris Otter or something. Like that would be my favorite grain. It's it's a good grain. I've yet to use it. We made a recipe kit for it, and uh, one day I just decided like I was gonna go either do that recipe style that we made, or we were going to uh, go buy a recipe kit. And I went and priced out. It was like seventy dollars for the recipe I made, forty dollars for this recipe kit after everything was included. And I was like, "Well, I know, the forty dollars sounds much more appealing, right?" Dude, I honestly, could almost get another another yeah. beer for the. the only time honestly, I- it's like uh, Marisada is like a third of a brown malt kinda. It's it's you can make an entire beer out of nothing but Marisada, and it's got this darker color and this rich, almost nutty kind of flavor that yeah. follows with See, it. See, I've never never been a big fan of browns. Um, never, never really been my beer style. You know, for the longest time, it wasn't mine either. Um, there are a few, there are a few brown ales I'd point you to that may, may or may not change your mind. I don't mind throwing them in with some homemade barbecue though. They oh, go yeah. really good in there where you, yeah. you know, and actually, uh, I actually found out one time that pork and beer actually lowers your, uh, potential for cancer from, uh, the burned fat from pork can cause cancer but if you marinate it in beer for a couple hours it lowers your chance by like 30 percent or well that's odd number by that so marinate your pork and beer no the short version drink more beer right uh marinate with beer as well (laughs) buy only beer no get rid of water beer only oh yeah you know it works for the egyptians built the pyramids (laughs) (laughs) that and slave labor (laughs) yeah. <laughs> ah, actually, they don't think it was slave labor anymore. Oh, that's, that's right. That's, that's, that's for something else. Yeah, let's get back to the BJCP. We're, 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 we are right. way off topic. We, well, now. and and we're running a little long today, so yeah. let's uh, let's 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 pick this. All right, so we're tasting. Uh, well, we've tasted the the uh, Sierra Nevada, Nevada Pale, Pale Ale, Ale, which is you know classic Pale American Ale. Pale Ale. Yeah, um, it has all those hallmarks that you're looking for: a good, firm bitterness. Um, fairly refreshing beer, uh, not super high in the alcohol content. I think it comes in at like five, five and a half percent. Um, uh, just a very solid beer. Five, six, five, six. I was close. Yeah. Very close, but no cigar. Nope. No. Oh, well, nope. that's for later anyway. Yeah. Ooh, scars. All right. <laughs> so do you want me to touch on, uh, some of the ingredients that are, uh, very quickly, okay. very quickly here. Uh, Pale ale malt, typically two-row, American hops, not always ones with citrus character. Uh, American ale yeast, water can vary in sulfate, but carbonate should always be relatively low. Specialty grains may add character and complexity, but generally make up relatively a small portion of the grist. Grains that add malt or flavor richness, like sweetness and toastier bready notes, uh, are often used to differentiate brands. All right. Okay, so... Any questions on pale ale before we move on? No, no, good. Negative. All right, cool. Negative. Let's uh, let's bounce into our discussion, Miles. I know you you were working on this, so why don't you introduce what we're going to be talking about quick? Uh, basically, we're just going to introduce you to what the home brewing process is. Last week, we talked about the most basic equipment that you could uh, get to brew with, and now we're going to talk about how you would actually brew with it. Okay. Um, and so the first thing you'd have to get used to is the, the grains and the different forms that you would find the grains in, uh, either 
you know, actual just plain grains, you or you would find extracts, either liquid as syrups or dry as powders. And when you're brewing, you're looking to get your water hot, and you may end up steeping some of those grains. If you're doing an extract kit, they would just go in a sock and get heat treated for a little bit in the water, basically a big thing of tea. Um, on that, too, they actually do different ways of doing that now, too, with the partial mash sometimes where you have to keep it in the oven at 140 for a while. That's actually a little bit of, or that's a different process okay. than, so than the uh, steeping. It's uh, halfway between being an extract yeah. brewer and an all-grain brewer. Yeah, they call them uh, like hybrid kits or partial mashes sometimes. Yep, yep, yep exactly. So they have Sometimes they don't even mark them, though. Sometimes they'll have them marked as extracts and still have you do it that way. Huh. Um, my recommendation, if you go to like a northern brewer or a brewing girl, Open the kits up and read the recipe before you do it. Yeah. Double check you have all of the equipment. Because it's happened before where I, I bought an extract and then told me, hey, keep it in the oven at 140 and then pour water over it. And I had to scramble to find a strainer that could hold this like two pounds of wet grain huh. while I was pouring water over it. And luckily I had something. But, you know, if I. So if I, I, I'm, I, I guess I'm finding that. They asking you to hold the mash temp in the in the oven is kind yeah, of interesting. Yeah, the, yep. the the short the difference between extract brewing, uh, or specifically the steeping process, and what happens in partial mash kits, is in a partial mash kit you're actually going through the mashing process. You're looking for enzymatic reaction to convert starches into sugars, and your beer is um, relying on you being able to do that. In an extract kit with steeping. You are doing nothing but extracting colors and flavors from the grains that have no basis in fermentation. Uh, so there's no enzymatic reaction. Uh, there's no conversion. Okay. Um, and so more, more often, or excuse me, many of the listeners may be doing just the extract. Mm-hmm. And if you're just steeping, all you need to do is just hold the proper temperature within, you know, four or five degrees of range and you're going to be extracting the flavors and the colors that you need. And then... For extracts, it's usually like they give you a range of 155 to 170 or 155 yeah. to it, 165. I don't remember anymore. It, but. It, it's a very broad range. Again, because you're not actually looking for enzymatic reaction, you're just looking to extract. And yep. hot water will do that, and, and all you want to do is not be too hot. Yep. Yeah. And that's where I've actually turned all of my extracts into partial mashes now. If they give me grains, I partial mash it because... Why not? I yeah. I know how to do it now. I guess have fun with it. Yeah, Go exactly. crazy. It's an extract kit. You're not going to screw it up. Yep. Pretty much. You know, extract kits, with are... the exception being the IPA we tasted yeah. earlier. Well, so yeah. well there there's well we're we're going to get to the process here. Yep. But uh, um, okay. Anyways, after steeping, you'll end up bringing your water to a boil where you will add your syrups and or grains following your instruction kit properly. Uh, and what this will do is this will turn your water into wort uh, or young beer. And then you will get to start adding your hops. And Casey, do you want to talk about what a hop schedule looks like? Yeah, for a so here? Um, your, your hop schedule is, is what we call like the times that you add your hops. Uh, your, your most basic beer kits are going to have your uh, bittering. Uh, edition, a flavor or aroma or edition, and maybe a flame out edition, which yeah uh, also goes with the flavor and aroma. Uh, yep, yeah, go ahead. Uh, it's usually it's usually a five minute edition with the extract kits yeah. I've done. Usually okay. they never do flame. I've 
Well, it, it's, it's, it's never called flame out. Yeah. It's, so, uh, yeah. So get, getting to that. So your, your bittering addition is, if you're doing a 60-minute boil, is usually at 60 minutes. Right. Uh, those hops are going to be in the boil at boiling temperature for an hour. And that's where you're going to get all of your alpha acid extraction. And most of those flavors are just going to be gone. Uh, this is all just going to get boiled off, and you're just going to be left with pure bitterness. Um, the later in the boil you go, the less bitterness you get, and the more flavor aroma you get. So uh, your five minute addition, or uh, well, is essentially like a flame out addition. Um, we'll get a little bit more into process at a different show, but basically on a homebrew level, unless you're using like a plate chiller or something like that, once you turn off that burner, you're still at boiling temperatures for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, for at least, you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes. So if you add something, if, if a recipe says to add it at 5, I suggest adding it at, when you turn the burner off. And that'll give you about the same the same extraction ratio. Wart chiller was the first, like, extra brewing thing I bought, actually. Yeah. Is just, and it cuts it down by half. It cuts it down a lot. Yeah, I know. Uh, the place I was living... I could do an ice bath in the sink, mm-hmm. and then I moved to my new place, and it didn't fit in the sink. <laughs> and we have a disgusting shower, so my option was like this disgusting shower or this forty dollars wart chiller. Yep, and you know forty dollars one out. It's, yeah, it's for forty dollars. Sure. You know, like it's not that much extra work. I suppose one of the the short things I just add as far as like bitterness versus flavor. Uh, for a hop addition, it's basically a scroll bar effect for how long it's yes. going to be in there. If you put it in there for a long, long time, you're going to get all bitter, no flavor, and then just that scroll bar is going to yeah, be where, a conversation between where, the two. Where your dry hops are all flavor, no bitterness. Yep. Yep. Uh, dry hop will not affect your, your IBU levels at all, your, yep. the bitterness of your beer at all. After the boil, which is typically 60 minutes, uh, you end up going to the chilling process. Chilling process, yep. yep. Uh, the faster, the better. That's the yeah. Uh, you you want what's called a cold break, and that's going to drop a bunch of like the proteins and stuff in suspension in the wort out. Uh, the faster you can get it cooled, the happier everyone's going to be. Yes. Uh, after you've chilled it down to fermentation temperatures, which is roughly seventy degrees, give or take, you're going to be adding your yeast, and then you're going or excuse me, you're going to be transferring first. it. To your fermenter, and then adding your yeast, and then it's going to sit in your primary fermentation chamber. Yeah. Um, a little tip I like, or I've started using a lot. Uh, if if you're getting late on your brew day and you're ready to be done, and your chilling's just taking forever, get it down to about a hundred degrees, transfer it into your into your fermentation vessels, and just let it sit overnight. Yeah. And that'll bring it down to ambient, and then just pitch in the morning before work or whatever. One one of the advantages I've learned of doing the extract is you're only boot, uh, boiling like two and a half gallons. Yeah. So when you transfer, you still have half that fermentation tank to fill with water. You can use cold water to fill it with. So you get down to a hundred, then you just start adding cold water. Yep. And that'll you know then if you it, know, it'll it'll definitely chill yep. a lot faster. Yeah, I worked as a baker for a while, so I kind of know that yeast temperature just by feel. Yep. So I can kind of just you know sanitize my hands, stick it in the water, you know, oh, a little bit colder, a little bit warmer. Whatever, and that makes it very easy as well for yeah, beginning brewers. For sure, if you for if sure. you know if, that, especially if you're doing extract, yep. if you can, if you can just keep it yeah. right about the thing. One Otherwise, the, uh, it's definitely one of the benefits of being an extract brewer. Yeah, it well, is. Well, there, there's there's a few benefits. It's a lot faster. Yeah, yeah. like yep. there's really no four hour brew days as an extract brewer. As a partial mash, it's about three. 
Yeah. You know, and, and if you had cleanup and prep, it's four or five. Yeah. You know how it goes. Depending the on, depending, on the, yeah. depending on yeah. how good you are at like cleaning as you go. Yep. Or just how lazy you are. Exactly. Like, I like to watch TV while I brew or watch a hockey game while I brew. Mm-hmm. And then it's, you know, I'm cleaning. I like I to drink watch. while I brew. <laughs> well, you have to. That's like, <laughs> I've actually given that up. You say that. I don't know if I believe you yet. I, I, have, yeah. I have not had a beer while brewing in the past year. Good work out of you. Oh, it's I just terrible. I can't say that. No, it's like a breaking like a a rule of rule of brewing. Yeah, but my beers improved drastically. See, you don't have to drink a lot. You can. <laughs> <laughs> you like, you say Notice it takes how four hours. He follows up with that. <laughs> you don't have to drink a lot. <laughs> yeah, you said that. You have to be drinking. You can drink one beer an hour over four hours. But I get more thirsty than that. Yeah, but then it's self control. Yeah. All right, and then uh, just to follow up, there are several stages of fermentation. The most important, I would have to say, is the primary fermentation. That is when you first see, that's when you first put it in the carboy, you add the yeast, and then you start seeing activity. Over the next week or so, uh, you're going to see plenty of activity, your bubble lock just going nuts. Um, and that's where most of the alcohol and carbon dioxide is being produced. This is actually the most important par- process in making beer. Up to this point, um, like, yeah, the recipe and stuff like that is important. But if you if you screw up fermentation, you're going to ruin your entire beer. You can make a good beer uh, with a bad recipe if your fermentation is On good. the fermentation side, again, for new brewers, you guys have been brewing for quite a yeah. while i uh i'm still going through all those mistakes that we make but uh i like to put my just my uh the hose i use for transferring whatever I, if i if i have the auto siphon in my hose yep. i use for that i just stick that in the hole instead of the auto lock run that into a little like uh, thing of a, sanitizer yeah whatever. i have a butter bucket like the little okay. butter tubs uh and i fill that with sanitizer water put a little weight on the tube to make sure it stays in the water, doesn't bubble out. Yeah, that, that's And I don't have the blow, like, I've had a few times where it's, you know, blown out of the sides or come out the top of it and it's plugged the hole. Yeah. And the hose does, you know, the, the hose, you're not going to plug. It's, it's, it's a lot harder to plug. Yeah. yeah. That's actually called a blow-off tube. Yep. yep. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah, they're they're fantastic. Um, But, yeah, uh, so for beginning brewers, the big thing to remember is you don't want fluctuating temperatures. Yep. Uh, fluctuation is going to give you a lot of off flavors. You want something... And it well, and it's gonna stress the yeast, which yeah, is just basically not good. the the yeast is like everything that makes beer beer. Yes, you know it takes it from sugar water and makes it into this wonderful stuff that we have. And it's your job to give them the best environment that you possibly yeah. can. They don't like fluctuating temperatures. Yeah, so find a either like a basement that stays a fairly consistent temperature. If you don't have a basement, find an interior room. That doesn't have any out-facing walls, and that's going to be one of your most consistently temperatured rooms. If uh, if you do have the out-facing walls, and I've noticed that helps and gets it off the floor a bit, is just give it a couple pieces, like a piece of wood to sit on or something, and that'll raise it up, get it into the room temperature instead of having. Because I noticed one, uh, the room I used originally, it was balls cold on the floor. Like you walked in, yeah. you're like, oh, I want shoes on, but in the room you were fine, but your feet were cold. So I just gave it a couple pieces of wood and got it, got off, it off the floor, that floor a and just bit. gave it a little more consensual flavor or consensual uh, temperature. Yeah, so. yeah, makes sense. All right. And then after primary, you get moved on to secondary fermentation, which may or may not take place in a different uh, fermenting vessel. Uh, the short version is after primary is done, this just gives it time to mature, finish off any unfinished fermentation and it's also the time when a lot of dry hop 
and or adjunct fruit flavorings uh, get added to the beer because uh, the biggest, most important part of the job is done, and then it's time to add some nuance. And we were talking about dry hopping earlier. It's literally just uh, adding hops to the fermentation to add extra flavor without extra bitterness. And so it's a way to add complexity without changing. Here's here's another new brewer question I've been throwing out a lot today. Um, What do you call it when you add fruits like... uh, Orange peel, let's say, to like a black eel. Is there a is there a term for adding fruit? It's that's just different? adding like adding like an adjunct or something. An the, adjunct. Yeah. Okay. The the term adjunct refers to any ingredient in a beer that is not water, hops, barley, or yeast. Okay. If it's not one of those four, it's called an adjunct. Okay. Yep. So coffee or orange peels, lemon peel, a fruit peel, some sort of coriander, apples. Like coriander any spices, yes. yep. anything. It's a cover all term. Okay. Yep. yep. Awesome. And then uh, after that is when you move on to bottling. Yeah, uh, and bottling is... I feel like bottling, kegging, just packaging in and of itself is a whole conversation that we need. Yeah, yep. Um, One one little new brewer tip again that I've come across. Uh, When you buy the priming sugar little packets, if you're not using a hydrometer and you haven't gotten more than five weeks, don't use the full packet. Leave like a, a one finger height where you just set a finger on the bottom of the packet... Leave a finger height over it, or else you are gonna have bottle bombs. <laughs> it's gonna happen. You're gonna do it. I've had no. buddies that have gone three weeks, four weeks, even. I've gone four weeks with beers, and it's been, you know, you open them up and they just start shooting beer like it's champagne. Don't use the full bag of priming sugar. You don't actually need it unless you're going five weeks plus on the fermentation. On the fermentation. We we were deciding last week that a hydrometer or some way to take the gravity reading is one of the necessary tools. Yes. It, it really you need to know when your fermentation is done because yep. and um it it's all dependent on the yeast because if your yeast decides it's going to take a really long time to do its job, you know, maybe you're just not yeah. giving it the Well, I have a wheat the right equipment. My American but, wheat's been in about 3 weeks and I uh, dropped the hydrometer in when I transferred it yesterday and dry hopped it. And I wasn't going to dry hop it for a couple of days thinking it needs, you know, 2 weeks in secondary. And when I hydrometer, it was at ten twelve. So I, you know, I said, "Well, five days, and that thing is ready to bottle now." Yeah. Give it another five days, dry hop because it's a wheat. You know, you don't need much dry hopping, but uh, about a week is good for the dry hop. I've noticed yeah, for sure. That, yeah. So, but no, five I mean, days. Um, it shouldn't. It should never be how long it's been sitting in the fermenter that tells you when you should yep. transfer a bottle. It should be the gravity. Oh yeah, definitely. That's that was one of the things. It took me. I took it back the. The darks or the hydrometer is probably the first thing I bought. Yeah. Right away, where it was like, you know, my second brew, I had a bottle bomb. And went, oh, hydrometer. Okay, I understand why I need a hydrometer. There, there's now. a caveat to what you said, unless you really, really need fermentation space, and then, <laughs> then you just get that out of there as fast as possible. Like if you're within, you know. Four points of final gra- or of terminal gravity or final gravity. I say just bottle it without priming sugar and you'll be fine. Yeah, I usually tell people don't don't bottle unless you're in that ten ten to ten fifteen. Yep, and that's ten seventeen range. Most most Anything of the extra. Oh no, I, I mean that, that's 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 a really really good advice. I'm just saying, if if you need to do it, you can. Just be careful and take measurements. Oh, yeah. For a while, I was using my closet as a fermentation space, where like I was able to keep the door closed on it for a long time. It stayed at pretty close to same temperature the whole time. That's where the coffee porter was actually fermented okay. was my closet, and it was just you know a dark 
quiet place is able to go. So, all right. Well, um, we should probably start wrapping up here. We are we're only twenty five minutes over. So yeah, right. <laughs> we'll we'll have to cover bottling and packaging another time. Too. Yeah, yeah. Well, and there's just so many things to talk about yeah. with this stuff. Should that be next week's topic? Uh, well, we'll talk about that. All next right, week. all right. <laughs> All right, uh, just just one announcement, I guess. The Divine Homebrew Competition is Sunday, July 13th. Uh, Blind Ninja Studios will be doing all of the audio and some live podcasts and stuff like that. I uh, did confirm that we will have internet access, so everything will be broadcasting live all day. That's uh, from 12 to 6 p.m. Make sure you tune in or come down, and it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, if you enjoyed this show or any of the other shows on our network, go ahead and uh, head on over to patreon.com slash Studios. Uh, Patreon is like a... Uh, a tip, a recurring tip jar. So every month you can donate uh, a dollar or more, and it will help us out. And thank you to Logan for coming down and let us try your beer. Yeah, it was a lot hey, of fun. you know, thanks for uh, thanks for the advice, yeah. thanks for uh, the tips. I've learned a lot today, actually. So yes, good, yeah. good. That's that's our goal. That's uh, the goal. I believe when I get back from Colorado on, I think the nineteenth. Actually, I'm gonna. Bottle, or I already have a bottle. I'm going to be doing another brew. So very cool, very cool. Got to keep that, keep it moving. All right, and if you have any feedback on this episode or any other any of our other shows, go ahead and send us an email at feedback at blindnewsstudios.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindnewsstudios, or you can follow us on Twitter at blind underscore ninja. And I'll see you guys next week. Week, 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 week. <laughs>